This is WJR's Business Biography. Now here's your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. With most business success stories, the essential and primary factor leading to mega success tends to be outworking, outthinking, and outhustling the competition. And certainly very few, if any, business success stories are void of those ingredients. But what is essentially different and distinctly interesting about our featured entrepreneur today is the man himself. For him, first, it's the why behind the way. What motivates him? What's meaningful in life? Coming to terms with those aspects of living life clearly have spilled over into the founding and growth of one of our regions and indeed the nation's most dynamic franchises now poised for significant national growth. The man, Mike McFall. The company he co-founded in 1997 with Robert Fish in East Lansing, Michigan. Big B Coffee, now a $100 million coffee franchise, the third largest in the nation with over 250 locations and growing rapidly. You won't hear Mike discuss good times on his yacht. He doesn't have one. He doesn't have an MBA from a prestigious university. In fact, he doesn't have one at all. Nor does he have a podcast. And you certainly won't hear him talking venture speak about funding rounds, changing paradigms, or being disruptive. What you will hear him talk about is his good fortune of being in the right place at the right time, the transformative people that came into his life that shaped his future and his success. Now to our featured story today, Mike McFall and Bigby Coffee. Mike, you're clearly a unique guy taking a really refreshing approach to life, but more specifically as it relates to the subject of our show, to business. Take us back to the early days in life of Mike McFall to kick things off for us. I grew up in Highland, Michigan. Grew up in an environment that was incredibly entrepreneurial focused. I didn't really know that at the time. It was just sort of life. But I look back on all my best friends' parents. They were all entrepreneurs. My dad was an entrepreneur. It just was what you did in so many ways, you know? And so, you know, I, uh, I, I pretty standard upbringing. Um, my mom was a professor at Michigan State University. My dad was an entrepreneur. I did have an experience as a kid that was pretty cool. I sailed around the world when I was 16 years old, right? So that kind of launched me into life's going to be an adventure, whether you like it or not, mentality. Because <laughs> to back up that, it was, I mean, I had to stretch to, uh, to live up to that expectation. My mom heard about it on in an interview from a professor at Michigan State University who was on the, the trip the year before I went. And so, you know, she, she introduced me to the idea and I applied and I got accepted. Next thing you know, I'm getting on a 150 foot barkentine square rig call ship to sail around the world. And so, yeah, it, it was my whole junior year I was gone and it was quite the adventure. Mike, during your younger years, did you have any interest in or did anything emerge which indicated that you took a real interest in possibly a path of entrepreneurship in your life? I didn't, you know, today entrepreneurship, I think, I don't know if you agree with this or not. Today, entrepreneurship is almost like a field of study. Like you can go to school and get a degree in entrepreneurship. I was a kid. I mean, you didn't think about entrepreneurship as a career. I more look at it like it was survival mode. Like I spent nine months in corporate America and got fired summarily, <laughs> right? And I got fired from my job and I was relieved. You know, I didn't mourn that. I was like, oh my God, I don't ever want to be a part of something like that again. So then I sort of had to figure it out on my own and that led me, you know, that led me on my path. My whole mantra, uh, my whole life is I just wanted to do wake up in the morning and do cool stuff. 
that's still my mantra today. You know, just wake up in the morning and do things that I enjoy or do cool things or things I'm interested in. And so it was, and for the record, still is a mantra, a guidepost in Mike McFall's life that he was going to be sure that whatever he did in life, it was something that he wanted to do, things that he enjoyed and things that he found fulfilling. If it wasn't, he moved on. You know, I left college and I took a job as a straight commission sales rep. I had a territory in South Texas and I had about 400 retailers that I had to call on. And, you know, I tell people all the time, the best experience you could have to become an entrepreneur is to become a straight commission sales rep. You wake up in the morning, you sell something, you make money. If you don't sell something, you don't make any money. I was in the gift industry. So Christmas ornaments, stockings, a lot of Easter stuff, a lot of Halloween stuff. So tell us, how'd you do? <laughs> I did great. I did. I, I, I don't want to sound like a, like a, like a pompous, but I, I was 20 years old, 21 years old. And I, I, wa- I walked into this territory and within nine months, it was the fastest growing territory in the company. And there was over a hundred reps in the company across the country. And I took it from, the company was growing at like 2%. And I took my territory up to like 24, 25% growth. And all I did, Jeff, all I did is work. I just worked, you know, it wasn't magic. What is the magic that made you so successful when others weren't? I've learned something about myself. I would never have been able to articulate it prior, but I am very much into hospitality. Meaning, spending time with you today, I want this experience for you to be pleasant. I want you to enjoy this. I want you to have fun. So when I would go visit customers, I took a very hospitable approach. I'd walk in and I'd bring them gifts or I would, you know, do something. I'd go reorganize a shelf for them. But the other thing I would say is, I built a system. I built a structure and I would leave in the morning and I wouldn't go home until I had visited 20 retail stores. And so when you do the math, I was in my stores a lot. I had 400 stores, right? So I was in 20 a day and I didn't go home and I did 10 on the weekends. I did 10 on Saturday mornings. And so that was the system. I think that's actually what made it work is they started to see me. They started to trust me. They started to depend on me. They started asking me to do things for them. And then when it came time to place an order, of course, I'm going to get more attention from them. And a lot of reps didn't do that. You were disciplined about it. You had a disciplined focus. You, were, you, you knew you had to knock on so many doors, if you will, in order to have the odds in your favor and make the, make the numbers. Yeah, it's a math problem, frankly. As is the case with most of us during our young lives, one never knows what one is good at until you try it. The same applies to what you can discover along the way about what either you're not good at or simply just don't want to do. For Mike McFall, he learned early on that the corporate environment was certainly not going to be for him. However, something based on sales and customer service just might be. Now beginning to put the pieces together. In our next segment, we'll hear from Mike McFall on the steps he took to lead up to becoming a co-founder in his own business, a business that is now poised in position for accelerated growth as one of America's most successful franchises. You're listening to the story of Mike McFall and the company he co-founded, Bigby Coffee, right here on Business Biography. Headed to a break, back with more of our story in just a moment. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. Today we're featuring the story of Mike McFall and how he co-founded one of the fastest growing coffee franchises in America. That company, Big B Coffee. 
Now beginning to find his way in life, we pick up our story with young Mike McFall exploring and learning what works for him in life and what doesn't. Where would fate lead him? We're about to find out. Mike, take us back to that dreadful life-altering experience you had in corporate life that lasted a brief nine months and how you learned that corporate life was not going to be for you. Boy, that job was terrible. It was a company called CompuServe. And CompuServe was sort of the precursor of AOL or sort of the AOL for techies. And this was back in 1994, 95. It was owned by H&R Block. It was a big company. I mean, I think they were, they were doing like eight, 900 million a year or something. And so the culture was horrible. And so I just didn't fit. I got fired nine months in. And like I said, I was just relieved. I was relieved. I walked out of there. I went and got a job at a golf course and, you know, the rest is history. Why not? Absolutely. Listen, at that point, did you say to yourself, the corporate life is just not for me? Totally. I'm going to figure out another way to do this. And you're going to figure out another way to do it. So what did you figure out at that point? At that moment, I was headed back to school. I, I wanted to go, go back and I was, I was probably going to become an academic in my mind. My mom was a professor. My dad was an entrepreneur. And I always loved the academic lifestyle. I'm a natural learner. I love to learn. I love to read. And so that was where I was headed. And that's what took me to East Lansing is I got a job working for one of my mom's colleagues on a research project. And, you know, his position with me was, hey, listen, come work with me for a year, year and a half, two years. And I guarantee I'll get you into any graduate school you want to go to. So that was the selling pitch. And then I gave all of that up to become a barista at a coffee shop. I was probably going to do sociology, history, something like that. I didn't know, frankly, you know, but I just wanted to spend my life reading and writing. And it's what's nice about life today is it's, it's come full circle for me now. I still get to manage my business, but I also, I teach at the university in Ann Arbor and I'm writing books and doing things like this. And so, you know, it took me a while, but I got to that end result as well. Isn't it interesting in one's life journey how decisions seemingly done out of convenience or simple necessity are, well, seemingly just that, nothing more. But when one has the vantage point of looking back on life, it becomes clear how these moments and decisions we make in them can alter the course of one's life in ways profound and significant. Becoming a minimum wage barista at a local coffee shop, a decision made to simply bring in a few extra bucks, was one of those fateful decisions made in a transformative moment in the life of Mike McFall. What led him to become a barista at a local coffee shop? Yeah, I mean, that was pretty simple. I, I was only working 20 hours a week at the university. So I just went around and applied at all the coffee shops in East Lansing. And my partner, uh, my business partner now of 26 years, hired me to be a barista in that first store, minimum wage barista. And now you own the shop. Yeah, well, I own 50% of it. <laughs> I own 50% of it with so, him, with him. So tell us about that. I mean, you went from, you know, you learned the coffee business a little bit. You certainly learned how to make, you know, the, all the fancy coffee drinks and everything. But at what moment did you say, you know, I want to go into this business? Somewhere you crossed over from being an employee to being, I want to be an owner. Well, there's two things. One, it didn't take a rocket scientist in 1996 to figure out that coffee was going to be a thing. Right. So, so just understanding an opportunity in front of you, right. And understanding that it is actually a real opportunity. Right. Seeing it, being aware there yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. And then understanding who my partner was, he had deep experience in the high volume restaurant business. And so he was bringing a whole bunch of stuff to the coffee industry that nobody else was bringing. And that still to me is the foundation of the success of our organization is that mentality that he brought to coffee. So then what happened was they were opening a second store and they wanted to interview me to become a manager. And I was like, nah, I'm probably not going to become a manager of a coffee shop, right? Like, no offense, but I, I got my own thing going and I'm going to go back to school. And 
So then we set up an interview anyway, and Bob and I sat down together. We didn't know each other at all because I worked the morning shift at the first store and he worked the evening shift. But we sat down about three o'clock in the afternoon and uh, it was this beautiful spring day, right, in, in March of 1997. And uh, we ended up going for this four-hour walk around campus. And, I mean, this is lore now, but it's true. We ended up shaking hands at the end of that walk and agreeing to form a new company. It would be the management company that we would grow the brand Bigby Coffee within, I would own a third of it, Bob would own a third of it, and Bob's wife at the time would own a third of it. So we did. And we set that up. And the next day I left my job at the university and we did it all on a handshake. We obviously put documents together later, but 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 it was done on a handshake and, and our business is still on a handshake today. That was it. And we formed a company. We agreed to form a company that day that would be the company we would use to grow it. And, and the stores that they had already built, they would maintain the equity in those and I wouldn't get any equity in those. And that's how it went. And, you know, we ended up building seven stores that we owned in addition to the two that they had. But then 2006, we sold all of them. And so then we became a strict franchise company. And then in 2012, Bob and I bought Marriott. And so that's how we became 50-50 partners. A job as a minimum wage barista. A walk in the woods with one's then boss. A handshake to seal a deal to become business partners. That handshake, still the bond that binds partners Mike McFall and Bob Fish to this day in their co-ownership and co-leadership of Big B Coffee. And with that walk in the woods and that handshake that sealed the deal, such is the way that Big B Coffee was born. I would love to go back and have a recording of of that walk. I mean, it would be mind blowing now, but I think it was alignment of values. I think that uh, my partner, Bob is interested in the same thing I am, which is waking up in the morning and doing cool things. You know, like that's what we want. And we're so well aligned from a values perspective. Do you know that, um, again, the story you're not going to believe, but I swear it's true. I can verify that Dale Carnegie exercise where they give you like 50 cards and they're all values, personal values on each one of them. And then they give you 50 cards and they give you like three minutes to pare it down to 10. And then they give you 30 seconds to pare it down to five. And then they give you like, don't tell me you guys pick the same cars. No joke. So we're in a room like this and I'm sitting and he's right across the table from me. We're going around. He lays out his two cards. They were loyalty and legacy. And I about fainted because I had those two cards sitting right in front of me. And no one believes me when I tell them this either. We've never had a fight. We've never had a fight. And we just don't fight. We work everything out. We don't disagree on things. It's, <laughs> and I can say now, like we're 26 years in, it's like, I can't explain it. I think we're both so invested in making the other person successful and supporting that person in living their dream, living their life that, I don't know, it's magic. Are you guys buddies outside of business? So you know, it's not like you're hanging out fishing or playing no, golf together. No, or... no. I love hanging out with him. I mean, he's a great guy. I love him. I love him to death. So one of the things that makes relationships like this work is that you guys each bring something really fundamentally critical to the table that's very complementary to what the other brings to the table. That's so Instead important. of stepping on each other's toes and, you know, you needed him, he needed you, he brought this, you brought that. Together, one of them's worth more than two. Yeah. And you guys are co-CEOs, too. That's very unusual. That doesn't always work. Well, how I would frame it up is, is he's like really, 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 really smart. And I'm sort of the opposite of really, 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 Come really on. smart. No, I'm not kidding. So, so let, me, let me explain that. It'll make sense here in a second. He could take a look at that chair right there. And at the end of the day, he could give you 
38 different things to think about in relation to that chair, why it's positioned where it is, what it's going to be like to sit in it. Why is it formed the way? I mean, he is an unbelievable, he takes, he can take the simple things and he can make them unbelievably complex, right? And it's an amazing, amazing skill. But what that allows us to do is it does allow us to see things from just about every angle, (laughs) you know, that my role is I take the really, really complicated stuff and I boil it down into very, very simple, right? So that's the complementary behavior. I don't know if it's behaviors or approach or whatever, but, but that's it. That's the answer. And we still do it to this day. Friendship, love, respect, appreciation, and a little dose of fate on one side as well are the kinds of things that are unique to hear when one discusses business and the reason for one's success in business but not for Mike McFall. You're listening to how he and his co-founder launched one of America's fastest growing franchises, Big B Coffee. We're gonna head to a break. Stick with us to hear the rest of the story right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. Today, featuring the story of Mike McFall and the company he co-founded alongside his longtime co-founder and partner, Bob Fish, that company, Big B Coffee. So Mike, you guys do the handshake, you've got your deal, you partner up. Take us back to the early days when you and Bob were just getting this thing rolling. What was that like? It was intense. Yeah, I mean, I can sit here today and say I don't grind 40 hours, but I mean, back then I was working a lot, right? I mean, I was working, who knows, 60, 70 hours a week and doing it. I remember one time I was in the store and I was living in a rent control department at this point. This is, this is 1997 and my apartment didn't have a mirror and uh, we were opening the second store. It was October 27th. So this would have been like October 25th. And my business partner, Mary Roselle came up to me and she slid me a $20 bill. Oh, and we didn't have any mirrors in the store because they the, in the store the that we were building the mirrors hadn't been installed yet either. In the she wanted to get a haircut. Yeah, so she's <laughs> like, "You might want to go get a haircut, right?" For when we open the store. And so I ended up going to the barber shop, walking down the street, it's downtown Lansing, and walking down the street and going to the barber shop and looking at myself. I didn't recognize myself. I don't think I'd looked in a mirror in probably six or eight weeks. I mean, I wake up in the morning, and I'd go to the store, and I'd work. And then I was working shifts at the original store too. So I was pulling shifts at store number one while building out store number two. I didn't look in a mirror for eight weeks. I looked at myself. I was like, I kind of liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you guys, you were going hard. You were going really hard, but it was starting to come together. Yeah. I became the assistant manager of store number one. I was a barista. And then I became assistant manager of store number one, preparing to become the general manager of store number two. And so when we opened store number two, I looked at my partners and I said, I am going to make this successful. I don't want you here. I don't want you around. I need to learn this business and I will reach out to you if I need you. And I think of that now, the trust they put in me. I mean, it was the second store, but I killed it. <laughs> I mean, I just killed it, right? I did. And I was gonna, I mean, there was no way in the world that store wasn't going to be a huge success. And it was. And so I was really good at it. I was really good at running coffee shops. I mean, that's the baseline of everything we've built is that we were really good at this. We knew how to run and operate and build coffee shop businesses. And so that led to the franchising model. And then, you know, that's a whole different kettle of fish. But the first mission for me 
was to prove out that I could build one of these, that I could build it. I could make it successful. I could generate the revenue. I could make it profitable. And I did. And so then that led to, we started getting phone calls from people. They were asking if we franchised. And so, you know, we were just this young little company with two stores. And when people are calling you asking you if you franchise, it doesn't take too many of those phone calls before you think to yourself, I'm going hey, to something. <laughs> like, yeah. The heck's a franchise, you know? So we then, and the other, another huge moment was Mary Ellen Sheets from Two Men in a Truck. It's based in Lansing, right? She met with us probably three or four times. Her son, Brig, met with us three or four times about forming a franchise. She gave us our first lawyer. He's still our lawyer today. And so having her there to not guide us, but as a sounding board about forming a franchise was huge. And we just did what she told us to do. It sounds like from a people standpoint, someone's looking out for you. Yeah, I have a, a particular opinion on that. And that is that good people attract good people. And I've always said that. In my experience, the successful people I know in the world, generally speaking, are pretty good people. It's rare that I see somebody that's self-made who is very, very successful that isn't a good person. And so I just believe in that philosophy that good people attract good people. And so she was so good to us. And we owe her everything. I mean, I don't want to say we owe her everything, but we owe her a lot. Because I, I don't know. If she hadn't been there, I, I, I don't know that we would have pulled it off. So, Mike, at first the plan was you guys were going to own your own stores. But then at some point, you turned to franchising as a way to grow the business. Yeah, at the beginning, it was going to be a hybrid. We were going to build our own stores. We were out seeking investment to build stores and we were going to be selling franchises. And so that was our mentality for a long time until we ran face first into Fred DeLuca, the founder of Subway. We have a long sort of beautiful story with Fred. At the beginning, it was grow by hook or crook, either bring in investors and build stores and sell franchises and so on. So we just started selling franchises. And, you know, the root of our success of the franchise company was similar to store number two, like we weren't going to open stores and have them fail. It just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> and so even though we didn't own those stores, even though there was an owner of those stores, like we were so, I mean, we knew if we didn't make those stores successful, this company didn't have any future. And so both the first and second franchises and the third franchise are still open. And so, you know, these stores now are, uh, well, geez, 20, 25 years old, which is incredible. And so that early grind, Mike, that got the company up and going, you got your first stores modeled out and proven once you had the model down, you started to think about franchising. You started to execute the franchise model. Things were really humming at this point for you guys. And certainly the way it is for you today is vastly different from that grind, the way it was back then, all the pressure on you guys, the long hours, the hard work. Things are very, very different. What is it like today versus the way it was in the early days for you? Well, I mean, today I don't do a lot. It's not a 40-hour-a-week grind for me anymore or for him. We have our projects that we work on that are complementary to the business and we do that. But day to day, we have assembled what I consider to be just an absolutely world-class management team. They are running the business now and uh, we got a couple more positions to fill. And once we get the team completely in place, then we're going to get into board formation. And once we're into board formation, we'll be members of that board, but we want that board to run the company, which we'll be a part of hopefully not a huge part of, <laughs> right, in the end. And so, but that's the premise of my next book, right, which is in the end, we as entrepreneurs, we should be working really hard to make ourselves irrelevant in the business. And by irrelevant, I mean, I don't have to show up anymore. I've got people in place that I trust completely inherently to run 
But the interpersonal stuff or the, when Bob and I do connect, we know when we need to reach out to each other. We know. It's like, I probably had to call Bob on this. See where he is, see what he's thinking. It probably happens once every two weeks on average where we'll reach out to each other and have to check in and say, but otherwise there's not a lot of contact there. So Mike, you and Bob are clearly in a groove as co-CEOs. Tell us about the company today. There's amazing growth going on. So right now we're growing like crazy. And I think the coolest thing in the world is, you know, we have north of a hundred thousand people a day walking into our stores, buying cups of coffee, which I just, I just love, <laughs> you know, I just love that. And we opened two yesterday. So it's 309 stores now. We've got three opening next Tuesday. So that's going to be 312, but that the, probably the biggest number in our whole, in the whole system that's scary and awesome is we've got over 150 stores in development. And so we're going to go from 300 to 500 very, very, very quickly here. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's mind blowing. And we're on this just incredible trajectory. And we had this relationship with Fred DeLuca and what we were able to do from that relationship was we, we built a relationship with a woman that worked for him who ran his family office, private equity fund. And that fund was about buying franchise companies. Well, we developed an amazing relationship with her, Lisa Oak, who is, uh, was his right hand in that whole business. She ran Subway's development department for 25 years, and she took Subway from 700 to 27,000 stores. And so it was January of 2018, I think, and uh, I called her up, and I said, I, she'd been doing some consulting work for us, and I said, Lisa, I got a crazy idea, but would you ever think about coming to work for us full-time? She said, absolutely. And by the time we hung up that phone call, we had the deal done. And so this development schedule that we're on or the number of stores we have on our contract, I mean, she is just... It's mind-blowing what's going on. Her vision, her goal is how many units? Tens of thousands. That's what we're doing here. One of the mantras that we have said over and over and over and over again for 27 years is we're just getting started. And it feels like today we're just getting started. And so we're trying to build one of the great franchises. I mean, that's really what, what the intention is here. You're listening to Mike McFall tell the story of Big B Coffee. Back with more in a minute right here on Business Biography. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back to Business Biography. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. Today, we're featuring the story of Mike McFall and the founding of his company, Big B Coffee. A business leader to be sure, but more to the essence of Mike McFall today, a man dedicated to helping others live their dreams. Mike is the author of his first book entitled Grind, a practical guide to starting a new business that skips past the MBA and goes right to the nuts and bolts of building a successful, sustaining company. Mike, in business, in order to compete and outcompete the way you guys have, you got to have a pretty significant differentiator. What is it about Big B that gives it a place in the world, especially that crowded field? Well, I, I think there's some pretty simple answers to that. But I agree with you when you say coffee is coffee. And let me explain that. My grandmother drank Maxwell House percolated coffee for 65 years, and she loved it. If I had that this morning, I would have thought it tasted like absolute dirt. There was no way in the world you were going to convince my grandmother that the Americano I drink tastes better than her Maxwell House percolated coffee. So coffee is you decide. It's a very personal, whether you like it or not, 
my coffee's not better than Starbucks. Starbucks coffee is not better than mine, right? Some local independent is not better. Coffee's not better. But our job as marketers is to convince you that our coffee is better, right? And that's how we've positioned our brand from very early on is we wanted to sit in between the major players. And so let's call the major players Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, McDonald's. So Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's are sort of what we might call the the middle class, sort of not pretentious, the working man brands, right? And then Starbucks is on the other side of that equation, and it's a very, very pretentious brand, right? And so what we decided our brand position was going to be, we were going to sit right in between those brands and feed off both sides of that spectrum. So somebody who goes to Dunkin' Donuts or McDonald's or Tim Hortons every day, they walk into Bigby, they're comfortable. The thing about our brand, like we go to these towns, these really, really small towns, and we crush it. Like Coldwater, Michigan is one of the most productive towns in our entire network of stores. What I like to tell people is 80% of the population in the United States lives outside of the major media markets. And that's our niche. So our niche, by the way, is 80% of the population. You guys now have a national footprint now, let alone when Lisa gets, you know, really yeah. gets rolling. Well, we're in 10 states now, but still our brand strength is the Great Lakes states. So Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, that's where we really are. And on a personal level here, you've reached this incredible level of success. You still get up every day with a fire in your belly? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, you've done it. Yeah. Now I, it's just more. Yeah, but it's not like more of what, you know? Okay, more of what? So when we wake up in the morning, we want to get better and better and better at what we do. And with that comes growth. And so if you get better at what you're doing, you're going to grow. And so that's the obsession. The obsession isn't about making another dollar. The obsession is about improving, getting better and growing, you know? And so that's it for us. And we have a a really deep purpose that we're tied very, very tightly to, and we are going to pull it off. And that's become a really big part of what we're doing. And that purpose is? What I think the most fulfilling thing in the world is, is to wake up in the morning and support the people you love, support your colleagues, support your friends, support your family in building lives that they love. And to me, that's the most fulfilling part of work. And that's why I do what I do. And so, you know, we're, we're deep into this quest. I want to improve workplace culture in the United States. That is our vision. Our purpose is to support you in building a life that you love. You know, there's this very linear argument, and it goes like this, that chronic disease is the number one killer in the United States. The number one factor in chronic disease is stress and anxiety. The number one factor, stress and anxiety, is work and financial. So if workplace cultures can become supportive and nurturing for people, so you show up to work and you're, you're actually invigorated by being there and your people are there to take care of you and support you on your quest, your personal development quest, I mean, we're taking on the leading killer in the United States then. And the idea is, is that you go home at night more invigorated than when you showed up in the morning. And so that is the quest that we are on. Isn't it interesting when you talk with a really successful person, you find yourself wondering, wow, He or she made it big. What does that feel like? I wonder what that sense of achievement, the financial rewards, and all the praise and recognition must be like. Interestingly, though, successful people don't tend to rest on their laurels. Rather, they view life as a series of stages, a series of challenges and objectives, one building upon the previous, always wanting to do something more, something meaningful. And certainly Mike McFall's life today has a sense of just beginning 
rather than putting a bow on it. Appreciating a success? Certainly. Counting his blessings? For sure. But far from hanging out on Easy Street, there is much more to be accomplished in the life of Mike McFall. So how does one go from part-time barista to business owner to franchisor to contributing in life in meaningful ways to facilitate the dreams of others? Well, it's real simple. We are going to live that way. So our employees, the people that show up to work for us, are going to go home more invigorated than when they they showed up in the morning. The metric we're tracking is that 90% of our employees will rate us a 9 or a 10 in relation to whether we're supporting them in building a life that they love. The organization is supporting them in building a life that they love. So if we can pull that off, we've built a culture that is a very strong, very powerful culture. And we also have the metric that we will be a billion-dollar company in revenue by 2028, December 2028. If we can do both of those, people like you, (laughs) high-profile people, will call us and say, how'd you guys do it? And then we'll get to tell our story about how we built an environment that was nurturing, supportive, and loving to anyone that works within our organization. And we built a billion-dollar company. So if you think about these tactics as zero-sum and not profit-oriented, like you don't have to be a ruthless jerk to build a profitable company. And in fact, taking care of your people intimately and, and supporting them and nurturing them, we believe you actually build a company that performs from the financial metric perspective better. I wonder how much of your good fortune to be able to have the privilege of being able to change people's lives for the better, as you've set out to do, you make your business and the path to success sound so easy. You really do. Yeah, I think we got really lucky. I think there's a huge component of this, Jeff, this luck. And, you know, like I said, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist to see what was going to happen in coffee back in 1996. So one, call it smarts or call it luck. We were able to see the opportunity. The other thing that we did that was absolutely critical is we were obsessed and focused on one thing. I mean, for like 20 years. And that one thing that we were obsessed and focused on was our mission statement. And that was create one new Bigby Coffee fanatic per day per store who will actively promote us to others. That was our obsession. So 15 years of my work in this business was dead boring. Dead boring. I mean, I woke up and I did the same thing every day for 15 years over and over and over and over. And we took it from four stores to eight stores to 16 stores to 40 stores to 70 stores. But it was the same thing, and we never varied. It was about selling more cups of coffee, period. And so that, to me, is the secret. I don't think there's that many people that are willing to make that sacrifice and really go all in on the boring, (laughs) go all in on the execution, over and over and over. And so, yeah, today, I think you look at it and it's like, I think you're right. It does kind of look easy today. I would say that it was that obsession with selling one more cup of coffee tomorrow than we did today and, and just doing that over and over and over. And, and in the end, you stick with it long enough and yeah, look, oh, holy smokes, we got a nice business on our hands. 27 years later. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Right? Crazy. Uh, 27 years. We didn't make a dime for our first decade. 
a decade. You paint the picture for me. You love your business. You're happy with your success. If you had to quit today, no one could argue you've been incredibly successful. Would you feel that way? Yeah. If you yeah. walked away today, yeah, yeah, you've yeah, done yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think you'd have to say that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... But yet, you're not done. Mm -mm. You're just getting started. Mm -mm. And so where does all this go? Well, so what we went through, we spent about nine months last year having conversations with investment banking firms about doing a transaction, right? Selling some portion of the company. We weren't sure how much and so on. And it came down to, what the heck would I do? Sure, we can sell the business, but I would rather have my story be, I'm 75 years old. I still own the company and I'm retiring from the business. That's the story I want. I've got this whole vision and I'm such a big part of my life is visioning. So I have this whole vision created that we're in Vegas or Orlando because those are the only two cities in the country that can host our meeting because it's so big. And we're there and I'm in a room with 12,000 people and I sit there and I know that I had a positive impact on everybody in that room in terms of supporting them and building a life that they love. And I give my last speech, I put the microphone down on the, on the lectern and I I leave and it's over and that's how I leave and I still own it at that point I don't know what the heck we do with it <laughs> but I mean my partner and I are so incredibly aligned on so many things so we are not passing wealth on to the next generation and so this is going to be given to somebody and we don't know who yet we've got to make that determination and we're we're working I'm working well he's figuring out his piece and I'm figuring we're not doing that together He'll give his piece to whoever he wants, and I'll give my piece to whoever I want. But that's a different mentality, too. This isn't about private planes and Ferraris and third homes in Aspen for us. This is about changing the world and doing something really, really cool. And at 75 years old, putting the microphone on the lecture and walking away feeling great about what I did with my life. You've been listening to the story of Mike McFall and how he and his partner, Bob Fish, co-founded and grew Big B Coffee into one of America's most exciting and fast-growing franchises, and oh, so much more. In his own words, this is a story about changing the world and doing something really cool. Thank you for joining us today on Business Biography. Thanks for listening to Business Biography on the great voice of the Great Lakes, 760 WJR.